welcome back to this episode of the Shooting Bricks podcast. And man, a lot has happened seemingly every week, but last week, a lot of interesting words have been said, and we'll get into most of that in a little bit. But first, as always, I'm Jerry Castillo, and I'm joined by Daniel uh, Daniel Huynh here, uh, just wishing y'all, uh, you know, hope you had a happy week. And on, honestly, I don't really have any much addition to say here, unfortunately, but joining me as well. I mean, I was expecting something, you know, Falcon, Winter Soldier, Invincible. Uh, I So much stuff Bachelor. happened over this weekend, you know what I'm saying? But, hey, shout out to Invincible if you guys haven't checked that out on Amazon yes, Prime sir. Video. It's an amazing uh, series, quick, slow series to watch. But, uh, of course, it's your boy, Really Real, Jarrell Sales. And, of course, we have... Yo, what up? This is Skylar, and I love basketball. Me too. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's a great thing. Great creation. Very, Thanks, Dr. Naismith. Very, yes, very Canadian born. We love basketball. And shout out to Dr. Naismith, too. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not every day you get to sit down and just have a, a chat for like 40 minutes to an hour about some basketball topics. Because honestly, this is, and many people know this, this is like the highlight of my week. Just being able to sit down with the homies, just chill out for a bit, you know. We all have busy, hectic lives, and we're all adults and stuff, and it gets really, really difficult to kind of figure things out sometimes. But, you know, sometimes you're sitting down talking about basketball. That's what kind of gets people going. And speaking of getting people going, you know, we talked about the play-in tournament, and by all accounts, we're kind of we're kind of in agreement that it's a good thing, right? Unless something happened between the last time we talked about it and now our Remind me again. We're all good on it. We think it's a great idea, correct? It's yes. Entertainment. Yeah. It's competition. Makes the league better. Yes. Right. Competition makes the league better. Gets rid of tanking. Well, apparently, some of the biggest stars in the NBA do not see it that way because first we talked about Luca. We talked about Mark Cuban. They said they didn't like it. Now, guess what? LeBron James says he doesn't like it either, and. It's super interesting because he said, quote, whoever came up with that needs to be fired per Dave McMenamin. Now, I think that is extremely interesting because the Lakers, when LeBron said this, they were actually at the they were tied for seventh with the Dallas Mavericks, Portland Trailblazers and themselves. Now, the thing is, the Lakers have won a game against the Nuggets, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. You're correct. Sans yeah. LeBron James, because he's going to be out for against the... Two games. The, the Clippers and the Suns, right? Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. So that that's potentially maybe another two losses, which could drop them down back to the seventh spot. Potentially, okay, G, you don't have to look around. You don't have to look incredulous. <laughs> potentially. Potentially, right? So it could potentially be another two losses for them. And so LeBron said he really doesn't like that after they have just been on this really bad hair, um, three and seven in their last 10. And it's so it's such a weird thing because when the Lakers were up top, they were fine. And then now that the Dallas Mavericks are in sixth, tied for sixth with the Lakers currently, they're like, okay, no, we're good. We don't want to talk about it. But it seems like whenever there's a team that falls into that seventh spot, and all of a sudden they're like, oh, we hate this. This is garbage. Blah, blah, blah. And why? I mean, the the owners, the governors, whatever, wouldn't have voted for it by themselves. They needed the the players to buy into that as well. Correct me if I'm wrong. And they all bought into it in the first place, including Mark Cuban. And didn't LeBron like? I don't have the quote uh, ready, but didn't he like was in favor of it last year? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. He's a competitor. This is who LeBron's always been. It's just his competitive nature. When he's winning MVP, he loves the MVP award. When he's not winning MVP, what is the MVP award? Um, He called himself the greatest player of all time after winning three. LeBron just declares things, you know, that's part of who he is, depending on who he is and falls into his competitive nature. So the comment doesn't really surprise me personally. Right. And there's a few more things that I want to. I want to put in here that kind of puts a little bit of con puts things into context. Let's put it that way. So Mark Stein on Twitter said, quote, 
the best argument against the play-in is that this season was not the time because of the short off-season, right? He continues, adding stress on top of the schedule slash COVID changes draining all teams, or COVID challenges, excuse me, draining all teams. But this, that's this season. To make the regular season more meaningful long-term, it's a clear plus. On the flip side, J.A. Adande says, quote, if the play-in ends up costing the NBA, the Lakers, and Celtics for the playoffs, you got to figure there will be consequences. Not lost jobs, but, the, but that format would change. And so I posit the question to you guys, and Skylar kind of alluded to this a little bit earlier. Does LeBron, and by extension Luka and Mark Cuban, do they have a legitimate gripe with the play-in tournament? And something that was also brought up was that instead of making it 7, 8, 9, 10, just make it 8, 9, 10. I absolutely have no sympathy for LeBron James, Mark Cuban, Luka Doncic here. This is a clearly case of a case of where, you know, both parties, the Dallas Mavs and the LA Lakers being completely butthurt over their situations. We all know that the Mavs and the Lakers haven't had the 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 most smoothest of regular seasons so far, especially in the Lakers case, we've been hampered by injuries all season long. I think the only reason LeBron it's pretty clear, the only reason LeBron James is coming out and, and lashing out against the idea of the play in tournament is because the Lakers have been three and seven in the last ten games. And Anthony Davis, I read the stat before the Washington game uh, the other night, was only averaging 16 points a game before um, this ever since coming back. So my, I just have this simple message for LeBron. Like LeBron, like you gotta, you gotta realize you're you're in a competition here. This is this is this is that also has to, that also happens to be in an entertainment business. Like it's you're just a player. You're not ultimately, mm. ultimately like yes, I support player empowerment, but ultimately at the end of the day. You're a player, not an owner. You 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 don't you you can only affect the decision so much. It's up to you to adapt to the to your environment. So if you want to avoid the playing tournament, simply stop playing like shit because let's be like the Lakers have been pissed poor in the last ten games. There's a reason why we have fallen to around six or, or could fall in seven again because we've been pissed poor. That's you know all what? I have to say here. You know, I agree with that. I'm gonna I'm gonna touch on that a little bit, but go ahead, G. Uh, I don't know if we're going to touch up more on the Lakers, but I totally agree with you, Daniel, there that the Lakers have been ass, garbage, trash, horrible. And it shouldn't even come up to this point where we are in this position where LeBron uh, voices his frustration to the media, because that's all I see it as. And that's why I agree with Skyler here. You know, it's, it's LeBron being LeBron. He's frustrated. He's been sitting out majority of these games that we've been losing because LeBron was playing some pretty amazing ball before he got his ankle demolished by who was it? Solomon Hill. Whoever it was, but I think it was anyways, uh, to a certain degree, uh, I agree with the last statement that was made about making changes to the playing tournament. Um, maybe more focusing on that eighth spot rather than the eighth and seventh spot, uh, depending on what the records are, because, you know, I understand it's competition and I'm all for it. I don't want to get rid of the play in tournament, but if we were going to make some critiques to it, then I would suggest that that be the critique, the eighth, ninth, 10th seed, because if I'm at the seventh seed with a 45 or 45 win season, and I have to go up against a 35 win team. And we just so happen to have an injury, CJ McCollum and the trailblazers, for instance, because they seem to be that team that's always around that, that, that spot because they're always injured. And I happen to have one injury and we go up against uh, the new Orleans Pelicans. That's not ready obviously and they get one game on us i'll be mad because we worked all season long to get that 45 get win win uh season to to end up potentially losing it and i understand i agree with what daniel's saying but just to find some critique out out of it that's where my stance is but it's a doggy dog world it's the nba uh lebron can't take all the blame on it for it <laughs> the lakers have been trashed like i've been saying we should not have even been in this position you are professional players ad's averaging 16 points coming back um we shouldn't have been forcing the ball into him. I understand he needs to get back into things, but the Lakers shouldn't even be in this position for us to even be talking about LeBron making this quote. But can't wait to hear what Skyler has to say on the matters. Absolutely. You know, I said a lot of it. And, uh, you know, I really I concur by a lot of what I said uh, earlier, really, that I think it is LeBron being LeBron. And at the end of the day, yeah, you got to fight. And LeBron's a competitor and he knows that. He knows that. And it's just... 
Sometimes he says these quotes. I've, I've watched it for his entire career. Uh, we all remember, you know, after he lost to the Miami, after he lost in the finals, saying, y'all got to wake up and go to work next day, and I'm still LeBron James, 3-1. That made me the greatest player. This is just another one of those, okay, LeBron, you're saying this because you're LeBron, and he always will do that. And so I, I accept it in his case. Uh, of course, it's just the competitive nature. It's just it doesn't even, you know, make – makes sense for LeBron to say he doesn't want to play in tournament just because he's in it right now. Uh, if I recall as well, he was in favor of it. And it's just a clear example. LeBron has been on record saying different things before. He knows he's LeBron James. He knows he can say whatever he wants. He knows he started the player empowerment era. So of course, you know, uh, I see exactly why he's saying this because they're in a position to make the playoff tournament. So play in tournament. So he's upset and that's all it is to me. I'm not really surprised. And uh, shout out to Anthony Davis balling out against Denver. Love that guy. And he's going to need to step it up for the Lakers. But I'm sure we'll get into that more. I have faith in AD. I think the Lakers will be just fine. I'll be the optimist here. And I think LeBron is just, uh, you know, trying to get himself motivated to not be in the playing tournament. Yeah. And it's interesting, too, because when LeBron was talking all this mess about the playing tournament last year, March 26th, he actually said that, you know, you got, well, quote, you got Portland, you got Memphis, New Orleans, and Sacramento tinkering around there. So if, the, if there's five or ten games left, why not those guys battle it out? Make them play each other all five games. So, I mean, he he's fine with it, but the second it's on his, now that he's there, he's like, oh, no, no, it's bad, it's bad, it's horrible. But I, I, argue with, with, I agree with what you guys are saying about having the plan tournament just be 8, 9, 10. Because you brought up the point, G. There was, that's actually a similar point that um, I was reading a Bleacher Report article that an executive brought up. What if you know the seventh seed is four games above the eighth seed, and then all of a sudden they just play one game, and then all of a sudden they're out? That entire, that entire season is wasted, and then all of a sudden you have coaches whose jobs are on the line and other people whose jobs are on the line if they don't make it to the playing tournament or advance past that. And so there's a lot of different metrics that we have to take into account to determine what is the best course of action when it comes to the playing tournament, because right now it's still in its infancy, very much so. So I think that what LeBron is saying does hold some merit, I guess, because he is LeBron. Whatever he says carries a whole ton of weight. So if he says he's not for it, obviously Adam Silver is going to be like, okay, well, now we got to change this up because our biggest star, our most marketable star is going against what we're saying. And at the end of the day, that's a, that's a battle the NBA is going to lose. So thinking of it financially, it's going to be in the NBA's best interest to think, okay, well, let's fix it next year. If we're going to have it, because like we talked about a few weeks ago, the governors, the owners, whatever have you, they're very much in favor of this because it's just reduced tanking. So it just it's going to be a very interesting situation moving forward. And if the Lakers do remain in that seventh seed, I don't think you you'll be hearing the last of LeBron talking about this. And you guys talked about AD. I mean, I understand that. What was it like a high ankle Achilles? AD was Achilles. That's that's yeah. you got to. We got to take that serious. I did want to touch up before we go into another uh, topic. Um, the Cause I know I, I stated it earlier as well. And mm-hmm. you, you kept referencing what LeBron was saying uh, on March 26th of 2020. We also got to take into account uh, the context, the situation LeBron's statement may have been, you know, I'm all for this play in tournament because there's a specific situation going on with the NBA getting shut down. Shout out oh, to Rudy yeah. Gobert. Uh, shout out to Rudy Gobert, but um, <laughs> uh, keep your hands to yourself, folks. But anyways, this is a different situation, situ- situation, a different scenario, full season, technically kind of that didn't have a major break. So that's probably why his feelings are a little bit different now. But go ahead, Jared. You know, and also I was thinking like something popped up. He talked about the playing tournament actually in 2018 and he wasn't he back then he didn't like it. And then 2020 rolls around because of the COVID season. He's like, okay, yeah, it's fine. 2021 rolls around. It's like, no, it's not. It's not great. So it yeah. is a weird situation. Skyler said he is a competitor. That is his thing. But also lost in the lost in the sauce is the fact that Jay Adande, he mentioned how 
if the Lakers and the Celtics don't make it past the play-in, that it all of a sudden the playoffs are just not worth watching and there's going to be consequences, right? And so I just want to get this quick thought from you guys. What do you guys think of the Lakers prioritizing maybe like four teams in the entire league? Because that's a that that was a counterpoint that was made to Jay Adande's point that the NBA only cares about four of its major teams instead of all thirty of it. Well, I mean, to his comments, I'm, I mean, I guess I mean, he's there's not a wrong. little there. There's a little bit truth of it. Like, yeah, let's be honest here. The, the like I said before, the NBA is an entertainment entity. There, and it's it's a league that's unlike the NFL. It's based around glamour. So of course the the league, the, the league will have focus on teams in big markets like Miami, New York, LA, you know, Golden State, the Bay Area, Seattle. But that being said, it's still a competition at the end of the day. So I don't I, I have a very mixed bag re- response. But he is right. The lake the, the league tends to lean towards big market teams. But at the end of the day, like they will cater to small teams, small market. But markets when they need to, and they have mm-hmm. been. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm. I, I'm gonna take a quote straight from Daniel himself, the man himself, the man with all the hot takes. This is a star-driven league, so I have to disagree. If there's a star on a team, shout out to the Charlotte Hornets. Look how much play they're getting. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Social media-wise, ESPN because they have a star. Who's the star? Lamelo Ball. Look at the look at the New Orleans Pelicans. They had Brandon Ingram. They had Lonzo Ball. But the, the main attraction there is Zion Williamson. They're getting a lot of uh, TV run, even if they're getting blown out by the Nets. These aren't, these aren't big markets. These are small markets. So with that being said, as long as these teams have star power, the NBA cares for them. That's my stance on it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you know, for me personally, um, I think, first of all, you have to look at the clear reality, reality that the NBA is a business. And that certain teams always have had that cachet, the Lakers, the Celtics, the Knicks, the Warriors, the Heat, since they've come in as well. And that will always be there. That being said, I I do go back to the Chris Paul trade. I do go back to certain elements where they've shown the collective bargaining agreement, where they've shown favor to small markets. So I feel as though the NBA, you can always say that. And there's always an element of truth. But you can also find examples where they're really they know that narrative exists. And so they're trying to go against that narrative. So I think in certain ways it will always balance itself out. But also I think the Lakers, Knicks, and Celtics will always be the Lakers, Celtics, Knicks, Celtics, Warriors, Heat. And you'd be naive not to think that those franchises do carry a certain level of cachet with them. Yeah. And G, you talked about stars and the Pelicans and something interesting that I found that I just recall just now was that initially the, the reason why the NBA wanted to bring the um, to have the plan tournament. I think one of the reasons why was because Zion and the Pelicans were in striking distance of making it into the playoffs. Right. And that's why they had the whole bubble experience, but because they flamed out so spectacularly, it didn't work because they were, the NBA was hoping for a LeBron, Zion 1-8 matchup, which didn't happen. Instead, we got LeBron AD versus CJ and Dame, which was fantastic in his own right. So, I mean, I think that stars will... The NBA will focus on stars, but which stars do they think we should focus on more is what they will be focusing on. Take a drink or take a... Well, actually, no, don't do not do any of that. After I just said stars so many times or focus or whatever, but you know what I mean? It's an it's a very interesting situation. I think the more that the league pays attention to it, the more people will start to wonder, okay, well, this is what we can do. But we talked about well, you guys talked about AD. Any updates that you guys want to share on AD? Any anything you guys want to let out of your system? Because I'm gonna give you guys maybe like three minutes just to voice your displeasure on how the Lakers or AD is playing, considering this is a we're not a Lakers centric podcast, but there are a lot of Lakers fans here. I think seventy five percent of us are. So, yeah, we'll, seventy five. We'll, yeah, my math is right. Uh, the floor is yours. You guys got three minutes. Uh, so here's the thing. I I can't be a hundred and ten percent mad, but I, I won't lie. It's been a f- frustrating season. It's just like our stars cannot be on the same court like at the same time, if ever, um, you know, 
Dennis Schroeder just got hurt the other night. Uh, safety protocols. Uh, safety yeah. protocol. Oh, okay. Yeah, sorry. My apologies, but I'm just look, look. AD is coming back from uh from an injury that could have been worse. I'm okay with that. And yes, it's gonna take time to get to get him acclimated back into the lineup. But I've I cannot hold my displeasure this season. I'm been I've been frustrated what I saw what I've been seeing from Anthony Davis this year. I know it's been a short offseason, but like quoting what Jarrell said, he's a you know, AD, you're a f- professional. We expect the best out of you. And we were hoping me and Jarrell were both hoping, at least Skylar as well, that you know AD would 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 take the huge step this season, but we just haven't. AD right. let's let's be let's be clear. Anthony Davis has been a part of this year. Right. He's okay. Sub part this year. Right. And- Sub par. Okay, go ahead, G. All right, bro. Okay, look. The Lakers got they got people. And I know that as Lakers fans, we we hype players up that are on these teams, but these are professional players. These are these aren't scrubs. We have solid contributing pieces on this roster. So what's frustrating to me is that even when the Warriors win a championship, that Curry would sit out a game or Clay Thompson was out a game or whatever the case may be, players stepped up. And I understand they had four All Stars, but what the f- going on? Ain't no way we should be losing this many games. And it's pissing me off to see Andre Drummond missing open dunks. It's pissing uh-huh. me off to see that uh, all of a sudden when you come to the Lakers and you put that jersey on, you can't shoot for I don't know what Wesley Matthews is doing. Frank Vogel, I'm, I'm going to talk about him too as well because some of his rotations really irritate me. Ben McLemore had an amazing first quarter. He shot, we almost had 15 points in the first quarter, maybe 17, and you don't keep them in. What are you doing? We are trying to win games. We have our all-stars out. I could go on. Give me the time, but yeah. Lakers have been pissing me off. What Ugh. about you, Skyler? Just let it all out. You have a minute. Dude, Lakers are Lakers are playing for a championship. I called them repeating <laughs> at the beginning of the season, and that's still where my head is at. Uh, this is the regular season. I think Anthony Davis needed serious rest. Very unfortunate with LeBron injury. I mean, come on, to have them both out. But I did say on this podcast that I think that it will end up being the best case scenario for the Lakers. Man, it's tough to keep that faith right now. But I still am. I still uh, what I saw from Anthony Davis the other night. I mean, I got to take a bit of an optimistic turn here after <laughs> you know very fair takes by uh, he and Daniel. My goodness, it's been pretty brutal, and it's hard to find the good. But seriously, I really do believe that. I loved Anthony Davis the other night, getting that mid-range going, 25 points, superhuman block at the end of the game. And that just gave me hope of what we have in Anthony Davis and uh, that he can find a way to step it up this year. Of course, it's been a frustrating season to see them not perform at the highest level, but I think they'll get there. I know they'll get there. I really believe it. All right, well, it's a good thing you have that faith because someone has to. I mean, everyone's like everyone (laughs) – put all the vinegar and stuff in people's drinks or whatever. God, I'm still going to drink it. Super sour. But (laughs) speaking of which sourness is one of those things that kind of happens when you have a coach that's kind of underperforming. And so really quickly, what do you guys think about the Pacers head coach, Nate Bjorgren being potentially fired because right now they're ninth in the Eastern conference. They're not, he's not necessarily getting along with his star players, whatever star players they do have. And they think that if he doesn't repair those relationships quickly, that could be the end of it. Terry Stotts might get fired as well per Shams, barring a miracle playoff run, even though Jason Kidd might be a replacement. And Mike Budenholzer is likely gone unless the Bucks make it to the to at least the Eastern Conference Finals. Any quick thoughts on those three coaching news things? I don't have any particular strong thoughts on Indiana per se. I just think that's a franchise that's in the middle right now. And I suspect the, with the way things have been going on in recent years, that they're, they're on the way down. It's a miracle that they have held to relevancy this long, ever since the, their trading of Paul George, like a couple of years back. It's, it's like they, they did pretty well after losing their, their star. A lot of franchises would have, would have absolutely folded under the pressure, but I've, as far as Coach Budenholzer goes, that's the the one I feel I feel very strongly about. I think there's a lot of pressure going on in this season. I think the Bucks have been overshadowed by the Nets, even though the Nets have been you know have not been in you know have struggled to uh, get order at times. So I I think I think the pressure mostly comes from the fans desperately wanting that championship. I don't. I, my gut feeling is I don't think Milwaukee is ready to go to the NBA to the to the finals this year. So I think Budenholzer is gone. 
if he doesn't get there at least. Right. Um, I, I feel like these are all fair um, expectations. Uh, the Bucks. it's tough now because you got so many stronger teams in the East now with the, with the 76ers being healthy with Joel Embiid, MVP candidate, and now the Brooklyn Nets. But the Bucks aren't making it to the Eastern Conference Finals. Not, we're not even talking about the Finals. They might not make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. So it might be need, needing a change of, of direction with, within Milwaukee because they're trying to force it to Giannis a lot. And, you know, we, I know you guys talked about having Bradley Bill be that, that one-two punch with Giannis and – Obviously, uh, Mike Budenholzer isn't Mike Budenholzer isn't able to establish some type of uh, offense that allows them to be one of the top teams in the East, the Eastern Conference. Same thing goes with Terry Scott's uh, Stotts, Scott Stotts. Um, he hasn't done much. I mean, what have what yeah. have the Blazers done? I know that's been an unfortunate situation because there's been a lot of injuries each year. There's been a major injury, so that's yeah. where the one that I'm kind of iffy on. I don't even know who the hell the Pacers head coach is, so he could go. Nate <laughs> I don't know who that guy is. Uh, he could go. Uh, so he replaced Nate McMillan after Nate McMillan helped the Pacers make it to the playoffs. So I in remember, that case, I didn't agree with it. That case, peace, because <laughs> Nate McMillan had him in the playoffs and he got fired. So. Why y'all think about keeping somebody that can't get you to the playoffs? Yeah. Yeah, fair. Yeah. Pretty interesting stuff, you know. Uh, as far as the Pacers, yeah, I think they already replaced the coach recently. So, really, if you're going to go for uh, coaching change there, you know, you got to really think of someone who can work with Sabonis and also Malcolm Brogdon, mm-hmm. uh, one of the most intelligent human beings in the NBA, let alone players. Uh, guy is just special all around his foundation. Everything. Shout out to Malcolm Brogdon. I've, I've learned a lot from listening to him and uh, overall an amazing player too. Like really, you know, that rookie of the year season. And that brings us to, you know, if he was still on Milwaukee, Oh uh, my goodness. Oh, it yeah. would have been such a good fit. So that's really tough there uh, for Milwaukee though. I do think at this point, you know, something needs to change. And if they can't get a Bradley Beal site blaze uh, player, you got Giannis onto the Kumpo. You got Giannis onto the Kumpo. You know, Michael Jordan had to have a coaching switch. Phil Jackson came in. They won championships. And when you got a player as special as Giannis, you got to switch it up. You got to go for it. And so I think that that makes sense. And then the Trailblazers, I really like that move. Uh, Damian Lillard is one of the most special touch players I've ever seen. And... He just deserves every single shot to get a championship, to be the best version of himself uh, that he can get. And I think that, you know, he really likes Terry Stotts. It's a great, it's a great thing. But Damian Lillard with, you know, a player coach like Jay Kidd, who, you know, I, I think Jay Kidd retired right when Lillard came into the league. But obviously Lillard, Lillard grew up watching Jay Kidd. If you're a point guard in the NBA, you know, and you know, Jay Kidd and you know his skills and you know what he's the same area. Yeah. Bay and area. so I think what? They both from the same, both from Bay Area. Well, hmm. from the Bay Area. There you go, G. Good point. And so I think that that could be a really nice fit. You got Mello too, who played against J kid. Uh, I think that could be a lot of fun. I think Portland's a special team. Damian Lillard's a special player and that they really are going to need um, a switch up there. Yeah. And you got to feel for Terry Stotts because he's one of those coaches that everybody likes, but he just, I don't know if it's by, you know, design or whatever, but he has so many different pieces every single year that it's hard to find any consistency. They're always trying to find this wing, this defensive wing. They've gone through Mo Harkless. They've gone through all these different variations, but none just stick. And now he's left to to piece together this roster and try to make it work. And to his credit, he's made it work. It just hasn't worked well enough. And, you know, we talk about finding the right pieces and trying to make things work. Well, on the flip side, then, who would be your guys' coach of the year? Because, Skyler, you mentioned CP3. He's doing all of this amazing stuff in Phoenix, but shout out to Monty Williams, who is personally my choice for coach of the year. I mean, the 8-0 bubble run was not a fluke. They just needed CP3, and now look at them. They're, what, I think first or battling for first in the loaded Western Conference. So he's my pick for coach of the year. What do you guys think? 
I'm I'm gonna have to agree with you, Jared. I think the I think Monty Williams for what he did in Phoenix is remarkable. Mm-hmm. You got to remember before the season started, um, we all most of us agreed that Phoenix we we saw Phoenix making the playoffs, but they were gonna make the playoffs as a fringe playoff team. Right. But you know, like to uh, if you asked us, hey, if you told us months ago, hey, Phoenix is somehow gonna top the Western Conference and be the one seed, we would have laughed at your faces. Uh, I just think what – yes, I think Phoenix as a one seed this year, it's it's kind of flawed. But, but, hey, it's such a big improvement and a step up from last year and the and last five years in this franchise in general. It's it, it has to be noted because that's a huge jump in improvement. Big facts, and I couldn't agree more with you guys. Monty Williams deserves it. But for the – I, we, we can't sleep on Quinn Snyder uh, because – think about it. The Utah Jazz mm-hmm. have the best record – in not only the West, but the league, correct? In addition to the tied. Okay. But for the most part, they have been on track for having one of the best seasons in their hit in their history. Right. Since Mm -hmm. the Carl Malone and uh, John Stockton days. In addition to that, they've been at the top of the rankings for majority of the year. You know what I'm saying? Even when the Lakers had some health, the jazz were up there. And I know Phoenix was like slowly, steady, slowly getting up there. Jazz been at the top of the Western conference for a while this season. So, with that consistency, Donovan Mitchell taking a step up as far as his game and elevating as a leader. Um, I I can't sleep on I can't sleep on Quinn Snyder. So I think it's going to be out of him and Monty Williams for that Coach of the Year award. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. I uh, look. You got to agree with Monty Williams. I will say I said the Phoenix Suns would be fourth and and on this podcast, and I understandably people thought I was crazy. Um, <laughs> now look at him. It's ridiculous. I didn't expect him to be first. No one did. That's, that's crazy. I mean, the CP three effect is way too real. It's ridiculous. Uh, I think I said this a couple of weeks ago. The guy should have like his own home improvement show. He goes and fixes up a franchise <laughs> each season. Uh, it's amazing. And so, yeah, definitely though, Monty Williams to get the Phoenix Suns to this point, to, to ride with Booker the way he has Aiton and the fact that they are first in the West and the eight no streak in the bubble and they didn't even get into the playoffs and how bad of a franchise they've been since the Steve Nash seven seconds or less Mike D'Antoni Omari Stoudemire days uh it's very impressive what they've done here um you know this is this is by far their highest seed since 2010 and so it's going to be really exciting to see them in the playoffs and I think you got to give it to Monty Williams uh just because to have that much of a turnaround that much of an unexpected team uh, let's just hope he doesn't get fired like Dwayne Casey did after winning coach of the year. Cause uh, yeah, that was crazy. Coach of the year is an honor for sure. Brutal. Yeah. And I think this, this season for the Suns, I th- would arguably be their most successful since that time. They won 48 games or whatever, 46 or 48 between those two numbers with Jeff Hornacek and the three headed like point guard lineup that they had them being that successful like seven, six, seven years ago and now only finding relevance again. Sheesh, dude, you got to give Monty Williams a ton, a ton of credit for making this work because that's, that's something that nobody really expected, but shout out to him. We all, we, I mean, yeah, he deserves it. I mean, especially considering what happened to his family situation too. That was just really, really rough, but shout out to him. We, We really hope he wins it, but, um, yeah, G, you spoke of a leader, right? And we had a pretty contentious week talking about Russell Westbrook and Stephen Curry. Well, Scott Brooks thinks that Russell Westbrook is the second best point guard of all time behind Magic. Do you guys feel that it is true that he is the second best point guard of all time? Just a, just a, a few bits of stats here before I let you guys uh, go off. So... Westbrook could average zero points, rebounds, and assists for the rest of the year and still average triple-double per ESPN. And he's notched five 20-plus assist games, the most in NBA history. He's the only player in NBA history with multiple 20-assist, 20-rebound games in NBA history, while Wilt has one. So, really quickly, is he the, is Westbrook the second-best point guard of all time? I wrote about it on Sportsnot. He's not. He's probably the third, whoever, because typically the conversation is Magic Johnson and Chris Paul, right? So whoever is number one, whoever else is there is number two. Westbrook is number three. 
simply simply put. Uh, I think the notion of I think Scott Brooks is look Russell Westbrook, despite my criticisms of his game, is a very talented player. But the the thing is when you're when you're making every time you make all time list championships player player well look Chris Paul does not have championships of his own but let's be honest Chris Paul is a much better point guard than Russell Westbrook will ever be because Chris Paul fits the more the traditional point guard than Russell Westbrook could Russell Westbrook in my opinion to this I will die I will go to the grave to despite Jarrell's disagreement and 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 other things thrown at me. He's a, Russell Westbrook is a point guard with a two-guard mentality. He's not your traditional point guard. Chris Paul is. And plus, there, despite Russell Westbrook being a better individual player, there's even point guards in today's league that I will take over Russell Westbrook. I will take Kyrie Irving, despite his troubles, over Russell Westbrook. I will take, I will take an old CP3 today over a, a player like Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook, for all his talents, to me, is, in my opinion... And I will say his triple doubles, while maybe impressive, it's certainly not an easy feat. It's a little bit of stat manipulation and stat padding. Russell Westbrook, in my opinion, in today's generation players, is one of the more overrated players to come out in the last 10 to 15 years. Okay, really quickly, really quickly, uh, G, before you hop in here. So when I wrote my piece about whether or not Westbrook Westbrook is the the second best, I put him a third and it took everything that he's done into account. I compared him to Steve Nash, Curry, Lillard, Oscar Robertson in terms of shooting defense to Gary Payton, rebounding to no one because no one's doing what he's doing. Offense to all the aforementioned players like and Isaiah Thomas, the older one and whatever else. And I deduced that taking his entire career, all his statistical achievements and whatnot into account he still could potentially be one of the best or the second best, potentially. But yeah, go ahead, G. Uh, you're chomping at the bit. It, this podcast could turn into a, just a debate on <laughs> Russell Westbrook, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do that. Daniel had a lot of stuff to say. Uh, I do want to throw a name out there that I feel is getting not getting enough attention. John Stockton is one of the Ooh. best, greatest point guards of all time. If we're talking about true point guards, yeah, true. do you see how better much career? Well, always better to be better than a rest. Go ahead, G. Go ahead. That's a lot. Daniel, I'm about to come for you, bro. I'm, I'm about to come for you because you just throwing a lot of a lot of dirt on my guy, Russ, and I just got to keep defending him because that's Brody right there, and I don't understand it. But let me get back to my point that I was making. You want to talk about uh, a legit point guard. John Stockton is the blueprint. Un, a, con, consistency we're looking at assists playmaking being able to get teammates involved this guy used to average 15 assists night daily weekly uh monthly yearly season wise he's his, his career averages he has a total of 15,000 assists nobody's touching that the closest person to it is probably at 10 or 12,000 you can fact check that in addition to that he was still putting up 15 points a game in addition to that was still getting you two to 2.5 steals a game so you want to talk well. about all-around point guard, and he shot well from three. John Stockton is up there in that, in that top three-ish for me. Uh, Russell Westbrook will go down in history as one of the best point guards ever because he impacts the game in multiple facets. I don't care what you think uh, about a player. Uh, uh, dog, if you ever play basketball, if you ever watch basketball, it's about stats. My God, you can't win without getting rebounds, facilitating the ball, and scoring. There's no way in hell. <laughs> you could tell me you pad stats because how are you getting up to being able to even have the idea of padding stats? Let me make that make sense. I want to get a triple double, right? I got to get nine assists to get the 10th assist. You feel what I'm saying? How the whole game am I padding stats? Please tell me how am I padding it? In make addition to that, you have to make the basket. Russell Westbrook is setting his teammates up to score. How? What is the object of the game? Score and stop others from scoring. So if Russell Westbrook has the ability to do that. How does that not make him a point guard? And I got to switch my positioning in my seat because this gets me heated. It gets me fired. Like I need to go on the court. I got to I got to go out. And I think what 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 hits me a little bit is I'm not Russell Westbrook, but I feel like I play like Russell Westbrook. Um reckless, I get turnovers, I try to get people involved. I want to score. I'm not shooting a lot of threes. If I do shoot threes, it's going to be a it's not 
a good high percentage. But to sit here and say that somebody at six three is out hustling a six eleven, six ten, seven footers who come out into this league. Shout out to Andrea Bargnati who can't average over five rebounds. He is six three and he's averaging a double ten did ten rebounds. And you sit up here telling me that's Pat instead. That is heart. He is a dog. Russell Westbrook is going to be a top five point guard in the league. He already is. He has MVPs. Go down the list and name NBA point guards in the leagues that have MVPs. Who you got? Steve Nash. Who you got? Russell Westbrook. Derrick Rose. Chris Paul ain't got no MVP. You come on now. Curry. And you sit up here telling me Curry. Curry's up there too. And you sit up here telling me that he ain't going to be no top point guard. He's top five. He's top five. He's I, top I five. Gotta res- I got to respond. I got to respond. All you, Daniel. Look, Jarrell, <laughs> I get it. Look, stats are important in the game of basketball. To be a good player, you got you to gotta put up good stats. But the thing you're forgetting is I think you're getting the objective of basketball wrong. The objective of basketball isn't to put up stats. At the end of the day, I, the objective of basketball is to lead your team night in, night out, getting the W, and leading them to championships. And he's, he's not doing that. Odds. He's, he's not doing no that. Freak. And he's so, not doing that. And you talk about listen, 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 so really, listen, listen. Really and you sit here and say you pick Kyrie Irving over Russell Westbrook. And Kyrie Irving's been put Kyrie Irving in a Russell Westbrook situation. Russell Westbrook took Stephen Adams, the Oklahoma City Thunder, to the playoffs. Kyrie Irving never did that. He needs a superstar. And you sit up here telling me the person that's doing all of this 2020, 2020, shout out to Nipsey, Nipsey Hustle, 2020, 2020 stats. The game of basketball is about stats. How the f- you win the game. You got to score. You got to outscore people. You got to get assists. The top teams in the NBA that wins championships are usually the tops in all those statistical categories. You play freaking fantasy basketball. What is it about? Stats. You play basketball in the NBA. If you want to get an uh, MVP, you want to get an all-star, what do you got to put down? Stats. So what the f- is really going on? <laughs> really, really quickly. Let me interject here. Take a breath. Relax. Oh, we. Hey, just relax. Wow. So I'm relaxed. I, I love it. I love it. I love this debate. It's all love for all those that's listening. Me and Daniel don't have no hate for each other, but this is what y'all come to listen to. Y'all come to listen to us talking, talking, shooting bricks. This is what the podcast all about. So keep tuning in and go ahead, Jared. Really quickly, going off of the uh, triple doubles and wins thing, right? So I saw some, I think it was on Twitter that Russell Westbrook, whenever he has a triple-double, his teams are, I think, like 100-plus and 22 or something like that. That's a W. Yeah, they've won 100 more games than they've lost. Think about that. We we often think it's just empty stats, but this dude may be stat padding. But at the same time, his teams have won, I think, 60 or 70% of their games every time he has a a friggin' triple-double. That's outstanding. But go ahead, Scott. We've uh, elected not to... Have you say anything? But go ahead. Yeah, yeah. No, I was, I was tuned into that there, and uh, appreciate Daniel and G really letting us know how they feel. Uh, that was great. And so, anyways, though, you know, yeah. I mean, can't follow up with too much after that. I mean, that that was <laughs> amazing. But anyways, uh, for real though, I love me some Russell Westbrook. I always have, and to me, I've, I've started to really view him as this modern day Allen Iverson type of figure. And to me, Allen Iverson is easily a top 30 player of all time. Um, Allen Iverson won an MVP. Allen Iverson went to the finals. Allen Iverson changed the game a bit, but he changed the culture massively. Russell Westbrook is an actual game changer. He's made it to the NBA finals. He's changed the meaning of a triple double single-handedly and I do agree with what G said as far as it's not stat padding. I mean, nine assists, like like you can't no. just get nine assists out of nowhere. You can't get 20 rebounds out of nowhere. Like, what? Uh, this guy is so special. And and seriously, I think the main thing is just appreciate Russ while he's here. Appreciate Russ while he's here. This guy has made mince meat out of the triple-double. Uh, I mean, seriously, we were like – Charles Barkley used to put Oscar Robertson in his top five because he averaged a triple-double for a season. And saying, how do you not put a a guy who averaged a triple? Russell Westbrook is about to do it for the fourth time in five seasons. I know I said this last week, but it's just, it's it's truly incredible. Uh, It really is. So for me, as far as him being the second best point guard, that's very difficult. It really is because to me, the best point guard is where do you rank on the all-time standings? 
And to me, Steph Curry is higher than Russell Westbrook. I mean, it depends. If you're talking pure positionally and you're considering Steph Curry more of this new generation point guard, I get it. Sure. You want to say Chris Paul? Sure. But at this point, at this point with what Westbrook has done for the game, I don't know, man. I mean, we'll see where he finishes up. We'll see what the Wizards do in the play-in tournament. Russ ain't slowing you down. You got to say something. <laughs> could, Give him a he position. Could surpass, he could surpass CP3. Ooh. Oh, no, 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 no. I think he could surpass, surpass CP3 when you look at how much he's changed the game, what he's done, and how unique he is. I mean, CP3 is just an incredible point guard. He's amazing. But we've never seen anything like Russell Westbrook. And to me, yeah. that's the definition of a Hall of Famer. I think the the way that you can look at each like CP3 and Russell Westbrook is that, like you said, Skylar, CP or Russell Westbrook is, was a literal game changer, but CP3 is the prototypical point guard. So you can't necessarily go wrong with either just to play it safe. He's top five. Yeah. To answer G's question, I will, I will say, I think he finishes three because for me, I think Steph Curry is already a top 15 player and when i when i'm looking at it i'm thinking of it as greatest players of all time right where do you rank as a point guard and so for me that's why it's it's going to be tough without any championships for him to rips curry oh man it's tough it's tough but i think for me he's the number three point guard and i think he's really changing the game and we're all subject to recency bias so let's enjoy it for now and see where he ends up he could end up number two uh you never know what else could happen and how high he could go but i think we really gotta just appreciate what he's doing right now absolutely just like um when you hosted the the podcast a few weeks ago when you brought uh the Curry thing, how, how do we contextualize what Stephen Curry is doing? Just enjoy the moment. Just enjoy because we're probably never going to see anything like this ever again. We live in the golden age of point guards and basketball in general. We're seeing all of these great, amazing talents. Let's just enjoy it because we don't know what's going to happen. So, But let's, let's still argue and debate because it makes for good content as well. <laughs> good content, man. Good content. But... Yeah, something that is not good content, and I really, really hate to bring this up, but COVID, it is still a thing. Um, You know, the world is getting vaccinated. I saw that I think 1.7 billion doses have been administered globally. For the people listening in India, we wish you really, really good health. I know things have gotten really, really bad over there, but let's hope that everything goes well with you guys. You know, a lot of people have been suffering, so... Well wishes, prayers goes out to to India and everything that's going on. Hope hopefully you guys are able to figure all that stuff out. But yeah, COVID is still a thing. Um, I, I figured this would be an interesting topic to talk to talk about. Excuse me, because we don't necessarily see the effects that COVID does to basketball players, and that's kind of a really interesting subject. That you know, as someone who's gotten it, I want to see how it affects professional level athletes and. I was reading up on an article written by Tom Haberstroh and I've, I have a list of players here and I'm not going to go through all of them, but I think it's really interesting to hear their firsthand experiences with COVID. And I just want to get your thoughts once I, once I talk about this, but Jason, Jason Tatum still has issues with breathing and he quote, doesn't feel the same that he did before he had it. And he requires an inhaler prior to the game, right? This dude is what? 23, 22, 19. He's been 19 forever, but that's, <laughs> that's the thing. But yeah, Evan Fournier, his teammate said, I've been feeling really weird. Sometimes I struggle to focus and my depth perception is really bad right now. And he talks about feeling like he has a, a constant concussion. Fred Van Vliet said, I just felt the sickness. I could, feel, I could just feel it in me. I could feel it in my bones, my blood, and my muscles. Josh Richardson didn't really go into specifics. He just said, COVID is tough. It's hard to really understand the toughness of it until you go through it. Dario Sarge was even more vague, saying, It was hard, I can't lie. And Nasir Little was probably the most, I guess, you know, most open about it when he said that he lost 20 pounds in three weeks. Quote, I'm not trying to sound morbid or anything, but it was to the point where it was like, you just don't want to feel anything. It was really that bad. And Everyone is affected by it, and nobody really knows how long the symptoms last or how it will affect someone in the future. And I just want to get your guys' thoughts on this. COVID is still a thing, and if 
these professional basketball players are still going through this, do you think the NBA should have potentially like kind of like an insurance plan saying that, hey, if you guys are forced to retire early, God forbid, or something happens because of COVID-related symptoms, should they have something in place like that? Absolutely. I think the NBA should insure these players. We still don't know much about this disease, and it's 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 such a new disease. We're not going to know much for a while. It's going to be little info that like you know flows in here and there, but it's going to take years to fully understand the true nature of this disease. Uh, first of all, my heart goes out to the people of India. What they're going through is absolutely brutal, and it's absolutely depressing and tragic. But um, I I am just praying that there is light down the end of the tunnel. Uh, because those people are truly suffering. Uh, this is a serious disease. The most starking that that you know you just read out, Jared, was a Jason Tatum for a, you know a, basketball is a sport that depends so much on cardio and and being you know your lungs play such a big role. And despite his young age, he's now having trouble breathing. That's when you know, like, hey, this disease will attack parts that like you like you could never imagine. So it's a it's I think the NBA needs to. It, it's obvious that this disease can have symptoms that have that can be ever so ever so long lasting. So I think it's only common sense at this point that the league needs to prepare because you never know what symptoms causes a player to retire, like you said. So yeah, like the NBA has to do this. Adam Silver has to be thinking about this. Yeah, and going off really quickly on your point about the symptoms, um, I I got COVID last July 2020, and, or June 2020, and I've still been feeling leftover symptoms to the point where sometimes I can't even smell properly. Like I'll be, I'll smell a specific scent that no one else can smell and doctors don't know what it is. Like I've asked multiple doctors what it is. They don't know what it is. And they said, you know what? It's probably just a COVID thing. That's something that you're just going to have to deal with. And I'm like, all right, cool. So it's, it's such a weird situation, but go ahead, G. Um, just echoing much of what Daniel said, sending love, prayers, and blessings to India, um, as well as all, all of these NBA players to have the confidence to be able to share this information with, with the world as well. Um, I know that within our society, um, we like to hide a lot of things or not talk about it as much, and we, it's kind of died down as far as the discussion. That's why I'm glad that you said it, Jared, that COVID is still a thing. It, it hasn't went anywhere, although we're trying to get some sort of normalcy back into our lives. So to be able to share some of the issues that players are going through um i i think i think this is awesome because people need to know some 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 athletes that probably have experienced it that aren't in the nba or just anybody that's probably outside of um athletics that are experiencing these certain things can kind of relate to jason tatum maybe like they have an inhaler as well now because of covid symptoms so this is just being aware making it making it aware keeping it at in the front of our minds because it's not completely over is a necessarily thing. And I agree with you as far as that policy going to kind of um, help NBA players, if they do have to face um, a certain uh, short shortage of their NBA career, if they have to retire or anything of that nature, uh, God forbid, but yeah, if the NBA can do it, they're making billions of dollars, especially those owners of teams, they should be able to implement some type of policy that allows players to have some type of um, thing to fall on when it comes to their health. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think, uh, you know, first of all, definitely shout out to India. I was supposed to uh, go to my friend's wedding there eventually, and don't think that'll be happening for a while, but uh, great country, know a lot about it, and uh, just prayers up to them and, and all the best wishes. Overall, you know, very brave of Fournier to open up the way he did. It was kind of heartbreaking reading that. I believe it was in an interview with with Rachel Nichols, and uh, mm-hmm. that was tough the year he was struggling that like that, but it's important, good for him. And yeah, I think the insurance stuff uh, makes sense, especially because the NBA had this doomsday clause uh, at one point with COVID and salary restrictions. So why wouldn't you have it with a player's health? Uh, I think it's a really natural step. I think that's a good idea. And uh, yeah, you know, just prayers up to everyone. Uh, stay safe and hopefully we can sort of get back to, to some kind of new normal uh, safely. Shout out to Cali for doing pretty well on that front. Absolutely. And speaking of shout outs, a few quick hitters here. Shout out to the WNBA because their 25th season, Gia, I see you're excited 
Their 25th season starts on May 14th. They're going to play 32 regular season games. And, G, you talked about awareness. Well, the WNBA is partnering up with Google to bring in more viewers to watch the game, which is a fantastic thing. I mean, we, all of us here, even though our, our watching scale, whatever watchability of the WNBA varies to some degree, but we still overall enjoy the game. It is a fun thing to watch, especially, you know, when it comes to there's no basketball, this is a very, very good substitute. I mean, I don't know why people keep bashing it, but, you know, WNBA starting up on May 14th. You guys excited? Absolutely. Uh, yep, definitely excited. Uh, I support the women's game. I think for basketball to succeed or sports to succeed in general, I think men and women deserve a fair and equal shot, and that includes the intention the each um, gender's gender side of the sport is getting uh, i think the, the more attention the women's games gets the, the the overall quality of basketball improves in general i think mm-hmm. the i i think the future outlook for the WNBA is going to be very positive especially with the with the oncoming st- superstar that with her name happens to be sabrina ionescu uh i think it, the league is there's some rosy waters up on the corner nice for sure Absolutely excited. Uh, I have ex- I've expanded teams. Like I'm a Sparks fan, but I'm going for the Aces, and I'm also going for the Sky. Yeah. <sighs> Shout out, Candice Parker. But yeah, uh, we'll get it her starts on the podcast someday. Absolutely, we'll get her on the podcast. I'll take her out to a date. All of that jazz. <laughs> uh, yep, I'm trying to get married. Anyways, uh, <laughs> yeah, but not nah, all serious. We shoot shots out here. We're not calling a shooting bricks podcast for. No- well, that didn't sound right. I want to shoot a switch on that shot so never mind i take that back recall that statement but anyways back to what i was saying uh nba WNBA jerseys are looking magnificent i'm gonna have mm-hmm. to pop up with my uh aja wilson jersey uh next week so you guys mm-hmm. can see it um it's it's dope i'm really excited for this season like i said just getting to understand and um learn more of the players that are involved in this league i just cannot wait for this season to unravel and i can't wait to hear what skyler has to say <laughs> Absolutely. You know, as someone who's followed Kobe Bryant my entire life, um, the WNBA has just been such a big part of his legacy. I want to say right away, rest in peace to Gianna Bryant, because she would have been the Michael Jordan of WNBA. But what Kobe Bryant did for uh, the awareness of the women's game and how much it's growing and in viewership, uh, I really think we're at a point where where it's going to take off. I think this will be a really big season. Absolutely. No, it's an exciting game, exciting players, exciting storylines. Social justice has been prominent in, in the WNBA right at the forefront since before it was truly, truly at the forefront of the NBA. Uh, they've been real pioneers on that front. And overall, just you got to support the women's game and Diana Taurasi dominating the way she does. And Sue Bird and the Seattle Storm, um, Asia Wilson coming off the MVP season, Candace Parker on the Chicago Sky. I mean, it's just a whole other setting of, of storylines uh, while also growing another aspect of the game. So personally, I'm really hyped. I'm really hyped. I hope that it gets more coverage and more access so that we can ease, more easily follow. And yes, Sabrina Ionescu, trained by Kobe Bryant, only a women's college player to get 2,000 points, 1,000 assists, 1,000 rebounds in college. Come on. There's so much talent and skill, and it deserves all the coverage and credit in the world. And I personally hope to uh, be in a position to pay a lot more attention to the WNBA. So shout out to you know, all the media outlets. Uh, give it the proper coverage, and, and let's go. I think it's going to be its best season yet. Absolutely. Last year, they recorded record numbers across the board in terms of viewership and whatnot. So this is probably their best shot of expanding on that, use this as a stepping stone, and just explode into bigger, better things. But lastly, before we wrap things up here, Skylar, you mentioned Mello. And shout out to to Mello because he cracked the top 10 all-time scoring list. The interesting part is that every player ahead of him either has an MVP championship or both. And so I want to quiz you guys, right? Can you name the other nine players on the list and roughly how many points they have? Can you guys do it? Uh, well, you guys have to do it because I, I'm forcing you on the spot. So who well, are the other nine players on the list? Kareem is up there. Michael Jordan. We got well, Kobe well, Bryant. We'll take it one at a time. Oh. So you said, you said Kareem. Mm-hmm. How many points do you think he roughly has? 38,000. Yeah. Okay. Okay. 
he's number one. Go ahead. And feel free to whoever else, if you guys want to hop in here, feel Carl free to. Carl Malone is number two with roughly 36. Mm-hmm. Okay. 36, 9 to 8. Okay, so roughly 37. <laughs> in the 36. Yeah. I will say I'm going to have to guess here. I- I'm going to put Jordan in third. No. Come on, bro. You tripping with that one, dog. Come on now. Okay. You know who it is. Well, 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 you don't. So the thing is, he is correct. Kobe. I know. I know. So, okay. So Michael is in there. Do you know how many points roughly he has, Daniel? I'm bad with numbers. I can't really estimate. Probably, probably down, probably much more down on the list, but. Around 32, if I recall, for Michael. Yeah. And he's fifth. 30, he's fifth. 32, 292, Skylar. Yeah, and he's There's, fifth. Right. There's one, two, three, four, five, six left. Bobby is four, 33,636, if I recall correctly. 643. 643. Uh, okay, I was off by a couple. Dirk uh, is in LBJ. there. Who wants to go first? Dirk. Okay, how many? Uh. 30, 32. <laughs> 31, 560, Dirk. Uh, where's he at, though? That's like, he's six, isn't he? He is sixth, yes. And number number three is LBJ, uh, LeBron James. At he's I haven't kept up, but probably at 34,000 now at this point. You guys want to take any other guesses before I tell you? Yeah. Um, Shaq is in that list as well, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, no, no, for LeBron. Because oh. LeBron is on the list, but do you know how many, roughly how many points he has? And he counting. just, he's, I, I'm, I, I'm with Skyler, 34,000, because he passed Kobe. Kobe was at what, 33 ish mm-hmm. last year. Yeah, so yeah. I'm going to go with 34. Daniel? No. <sighs> no, I can't, I can't. I'm bad at these type of, type of games. LeBron, 35,318 and counting. Oh, damn. Damn. You guys have three left. You, you count it, Shaq? Okay. Roughly how many points? Why you say okay? Like, I'm going to give that to you. <laughs> uh, uh, 30, 30. He passed. He, Dirk passed Shaq, so I'm going to say 31,000, right? 28,596. Hey, we out of the 30. Okay. We got right. how many more? Two left. Jeez. Um, the, I think... The one that Mello might pass next is probably the toughest one. But I know he just passed Elvin Hayes, if I recall right? correctly. Yep. Do you know how many points? For Elvin Hayes? Yeah, do you know how many points he's had in total? Oh man, like twenty six something. Twenty seven three one three. Dang. No. This is tough. Is it a is it a, a, a older older player? Like we talking Two okay, two hints. They're both older and they're both bigs. Will Chamberlain? Of course. Well, yeah, uh, I was say. How many points do you think? Uh 30 Roughly. 30 30k. 31419. Damn. There's he one said, left. All right. So I used to do a lot of these sporkle quizzes as a kid, top 10 scoring all, right, all time. In the clutch. This Those is your Kobe mode. Ooh, ah. you know how much? I'm going to go uh, 28. 27,409. Dang. So, I say we did a good job. Absolutely. You know, Skyler with the clutch shot there at the end, getting Moses, which personally I didn't think any of you guys would get, but shout out to Skyler. But, yeah, can you believe it? All of those guys ahead of him either have an MVP championship or both. So, and that's why Mello is so, I mean, uh, I wrote an article for Fanside called Carmelo's Redemption. I, I Googled the guy's name every day when he was out of a league to find out, like, is this real? Are, yeah. are people really forgetting who this guy is? And uh, it's been, you know, very validating to see Carmelo Anthony excel at this level. Uh, great player, great person. And it's it's been amazing to see him rise above the hate. You know, he got so much of it to the point where he was out of the league because of it. Teams didn't want to take a chance on him. And, and now he's balling out. He's mellow. He's the same mellow. He's always been just a little bit older and wiser. But uh, 
shout out to a really amazing career on his end. Stay mellow. Stay mellow. Absolutely. And before we wrap things up, I just want to say, don't forget to subscribe to the Shooting Bricks podcast and leave a review on your platform of choice. It really helps us out. Lastly, make sure to follow us on at Podcast Bricks on Twitter, at Shooting Bricks Podcast on Instagram, and at The Shooting Bricks Podcast on YouTube for all the news and the video of this episode of The Shooting Bricks Podcast. And as always, I'm Jerry Castillo. Shout out to Salt and Straw Ice Cream in Venice Beach. Uh, you guys are amazing. Uh, I promise we are not a sponsor of Salt and Straw. I'm just singing their praises. And but shout if you want to sponsor the, us, uh, totally fine. Yeah, and of course, but um, also shout out to Marvel Studios. Great. I think Phase 4 is going to be fantastic. This is Daniel Wynn uh, joining me as well. And I think Jared would agree with me here. Forget 2K and all the BS because, uh, yeah, but anyways, right. shout out to WNBA. 25 seasons is not a small feat. We're about to, they're about to explode just like the Shooting Bricks podcast is going to explode. You guys listening out there, you guys have so many hot takes to communicate with us and you put in our DMs and you text us. Drop it on the comments below our post. Let's get this activity going. But of course, it's your boy, Rally Rail to Rail Sales. And of course, we have... Yo, what up? This is Skyler and, and shout out to Carmelo Anthony for never giving up. I mean, to think of the fact that this guy was out of the league, every article was written about him, that it was over. He played his last game and he scored two points with the Houston Rockets. He got cut like a freshman in high school. And he's now the number 10 scorer of all time. Which shows the power of never giving up. So shout out to you, Carmelo Anthony. Pleasure to have followed your whole career for my whole life. Absolutely. Shout out to Melo. Shout out to the WNBA. Shout out to everyone who's listening to this podcast. And we will see everyone else next week.